0: The only constant in business is change. Welcome to Trends, Bends and Opportunities, the show that explores business ups, downs and possibilities. I'm Pat Lynch and I'm a retired police supervisor. Now I teach and mentor real estate agents who are looking to stand out above the rest. My partner here is Dr. Lauren Murfield. He's a retired college professor who now works with business leaders small and large to do what they never thought possible. Together, we're docking the cop and we're here to help you think bigger and reach higher to deliver disruptive success for today's world. Let's go. My name is Pat Lynch. I'm the host here of uh, Trends, Bends and Opportunities. This is our chance every day to look at uh, business ups, downs and opportunities in uh, this time. I'm here with my cohort, I mean co host Uh, Dr. Lauren Murfield. Say hello, Doc.
1: Hey, how's everybody doing? It's good to be looking at the trends, how we need to bend so we can find the best opportunity. It's good, and you really want to be here today. This is the place you need to be. You're not going to want to cut this one short at all, I assure you. Uh, I've known this guy for several years. I love every chance I have to get together with him and talk and mostly listen to what he's got to
0: say. So it's two against one. So all I ask is that you hold half your brain behind your back or something like that. <laughs> Give me a fighting chance, um, okay? Two doctors against one retired cop. I well, you know what? A joke in want, there somewhere.
1: You know what we could call this, Pat? We could call this a business paradox. <laughs> I
0: like it.
2: Totally like on board with no you.
1: it the humor for
0: somebody else. <laughs> but before we before we inter, introduce uh, Doc uh, Doc. Uh, Murfield tell us what we can expect the rest of this week um, we're gonna finish out the week uh, strong um, uh, we're, we're gonna hit it out of the ballpark here today and be a champion at this no pun intended okay maybe the fun was not well done <laughs> but um, let's t- uh, uh, what, what do we have tomorrow and Friday and real quick Doc I'm gonna steal your thunder tomorrow 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 I think there's a song I don't know uh, tomorrow the club will be back open for oh. breakfast and lunch and uh, so get back in the club it's gonna be safe they'll have a work area and uh, let's let's start getting back into uh, center club um, and uh, they're gonna have takeout as well so be looking for that email and uh, doc take it away what do we got tomorrow on Friday?
1: Well I'm excited about tomorrow because you know in TV you always want to follow a hit. And with Dr. Schnitze today, my wife gave me strict orders and she says, if you're going to have me on, I got to follow Harold. (laughs) Actually, um, my wife, Lisa is going to be on. She's got an MBA. She's in human resources. She's going to talk about what we have to do to get the workers back into the workplace. And I'll see a little bit of her thunder because we've got two books out on it. It's about compassion and communication hugely important. And then on Friday, I'm sure even Harold's gonna to wanna to tune in for this one because that, Pat, we don't have any guests that day except you and I. We're gonna be talking about the top 10 advantages, advantages of this shutdown. Hmm. What are the things that we can benefit from and the opportunities? I'm and,
0: still working on my portion of the list, Doc, and I've, I've got nine to go. So... Nine to go? We, <laughs> Might need to help you on that,
2: but uh, I, I can add some to that if okay. you'd like.
1: Then, then we get into next week. We've got Dr. Lindsey Grove on Monday from uh, Public Health. Uh, got Kosh Patel and Civic Engagement. We got Larey Kui a former FBI agent, that talks about mental toughness and resilience on Wednesday of next week. Chris White, a Center Club member, talking about mortgages. And you gotta tune in on the fifteenth because that's Karen Cook talking about quit your whining and start whining, taking the H out. So we're gonna have some wine on that one. <laughs> and uh, then, then I can your the first ones to find out. May eighteenth, yeah, we're scheduled that far out. Dr. Raúl Mera, who is a psychiatrist, that's gonna talk to us. And by the way, a very funny guy. Mm-hmm. I like that fun coming on talking about the importance of humor.
0: And so we're going to have a lot of fun. So Pat, can I introduce Dr. Shinitsky? Let's do it. I am literally sitting on the edge of my seat.
1: I've often known that I could have really used a psychologist, but what I really needed I've been telling you that for years. A sports psychologist, somebody that can help take your game to a whole nother level. And Dr. Harold Schmitzky trained at Johns Hopkins. He's got all the background, but not only that, he has worked with Olympic and professional athletes to get them to the top of their game. Who else, who, who would you want to work with but him? So here it is, Dr. Harold Schmitzky. welcome.
2: Thank you very much, Lauren, Pat, a pleasure to be a part of this program. It's a, also a delight to hear what's coming up. Um, for those of you who haven't heard, lisa present uh incredibly insightful individual as this hr transition back from shelter in place it's going to be a good program i'm looking forward to hearing of that one
0: that's awesome good good plug for lisa um she's she's okay <laughs> So carol can you, you she, she out your book a out it. at, at, at uh, lauren <laughs>
1: so dr schnitzky you've got a brand new book out on a champion's mindset yes can you give us an overview of what that is
2: it is a labor of love i gotta tell you that um for years my athletes have been asking me do i have the information that i share with them in a written format and i would just tell them simply no it's just i do it one-on-one i do it as a team and i do it as a presentation and so it it was a couple of years actually of coalescing the information together Um, the book really is a blast it is A champion's mindset, it's the 15 mental conditioning steps to becoming a champion athlete. And what I'm trying to do is to be able to point out not only athletes on the field, but also in life, that you can take the material from the book and apply it in a proactive, preventive way to be able to make sure that you're setting, reaching, and achieving your goals. So I have taken the same material, not only with athletes, but I also use it in corporate training. So I've been meeting with a number of different organizations to be able to help either financial investors and advisors to the insurance industry, real estate teachers, to be able to help them to liberate whatever may be some obstacles or patterns that they create themselves to be able to open them up to their potential.
1: So this isn't another academic book that's dry as uh, sheetrock to read, right? No.
2: I am uh, very disappointed every once in a while because uh, my profession has over 100 years of evidence-based research, and most of the literature is written for and by academicians to academicians, and so when I was in that world, a lot of my writing was specifically to be able to fit in that world. Once I began focusing more on my clinical practice and working directly with the public in terms of clinical care, I realized that my writings need to be for the general public, so this is my third book, and at no time am I trying to prove that I have an advanced degree. It is taking advanced concepts and converting them into bite-sized morsels, which you can apply immediately. Are
0: there a lot of pictures, Doc?
2: <laughs> I, I got some pop-up pictures, in there, oh, which is kind of okay. cool. Yeah, um, so yeah, <laughs> It it if, actually if it's a fun. My
0: number or fill in the blank, you know, color in. I I'd be good.
2: I was working with a, a gentleman who was uh, up at Fort Benning. He was part of the snipers program, and it was really interesting. Just chatting with, getting laser focus. And he called me after we had done some training, and he said, "Doc, I've read your book." And I said, "Thank you, I appreciate that. Have you been able to implement it?" He says, "No, Doc. You don't seem to understand. I have never." read an entire book. This is the first book I've ever read cover to cover. And I remember just thinking how wonderful to be able to capture someone's attention so they can apply it in their life immediately and to get that kind of feedback.
1: So can you give us, when you look around if it's new normal that we're in or the next normal, whatever label you want to put on it, what's the first one of those 15 items that jump out at you that says we really need this right now especially as business professionals
2: well it, it's kind of interesting i always talk about this concept of external constants um whenever there's an external constant um it could be like if a golfer was playing at the british open and they're saying oh doc do you realize how windy it is yeah it's 20 miles an hour and 40 mile an hour gust. or at the australian open in tennis you know how hot it gets here yeah it's summertime in the southern hemisphere. So whenever it's an external and constant, it's not just in this case hot for this one person or windy for this person. It's that for everyone. It's an external and it's constant. So right now our shelter in place is an external constant. And so you can do one of two things whenever there's an external constant. You can either complain about it and put that complaint in your back pocket and actually unconsciously plan on failing. And when you fail, you get to pull out that excuse to be able to say, see, it's this is the reason I didn't do well. And as I say that, you can probably figure out how silly of a comment it is because obviously, other people are doing well in those situations. So you can either complain about it and use it as an unconscious kind of excuse for why you future fail, or you can adapt. And that's really key. So. How do I figure out how to hit a ball into this wind? Right now during this shelter in place, I know a lot of individuals who are actually spending quality time investing in themselves for their future. A lot of individuals have taken coursework online. Other people have refixed their resumes. Some individuals have focused on just kind of what are my limitations, my self-limiting thoughts and addressing them. So either, whenever there's an external constant, you can complain about it, or you can adapt. And I'd rather encourage people, especially at this point as we're transitioning into this new normal, whenever you're in a situation that has this type of external constant, identify what the factors are and figure out what you can control in order to adapt.
0: Doc, I couldn't agree with you more. One of the things that's been frustrating for me and with the uh, the agents that we help on a daily basis is some of them and they're, they're not the only ones I, we're in a 12-story office building there's probably 30 people in the whole building today uh, and, and that's up from the four that were here last week yep. uh, you know for the past month it's been really nice i've been in the office every day and there's not a person in the whole building wow. but a lot of people are looking at this have been treating this like it's a snow day if you're from up north or a hurricane <laughs> down here. And it's, yeah, it's you know, interesting. It's, hey, we got to sit home, stay under the covers. Uh, you know, maybe a rainy day. Or for folks who, are, who aren't from Florida or Michigan, um, you got to have a happy medium. Yeah. But they're looking at it like, you know, what what are you do? What are you doing to help your business or to help yourself? Nothing. We can't. We can't do anything. I'm stuck at home. It's I, you know, it's like you're on house arrest. It's, well,
2: that's a self-limiting thought. There's nothing I can do Uh, that is creating obstacles that don't exist. And that happens all too often for individuals in business, in relationships, in sport. And so it's rather important whenever I hear someone say that where this is just an axiomatic fact, this is the way it's always going to be. Whenever I hear someone bring up one of two comments, I always respectfully, disrespectfully interrupt and so i realized interrupting is disrespectful but i'm doing it for a good reason and that's respectful so whenever i hear someone damn their future because of their past you know this is just the way i am this is just the way it is the reality is that's a self-limiting thought we all have the ability to grow to set a goal to reach to strive to improve we have that within us but it must start with the belief so whenever i hear a uh, dogmatic damn my future because of my past. You know, at one point, all three of us were short and now we're taller. At one point, you may not have known how to add, you know, now, the amazing thing is what you get better at whatever you practice. And so to be able to liberate yourself from this self-imposed thought of, you know, I'm just going to waste my 24 hours in my day. I'm going to sleep for a number of it and I'm not going to do anything else. So whenever I hear someone damn their future because of this past, this kind of, I can't do anything about it, I jump in. The second reason, by the way, I jump in and respectfully, disrespectfully interrupt somebody is when they blame their behavior on someone else. And right off in the beginning of my book, I talk about this sports psychology triangle. It's behavior, thoughts, and feelings, physiology. And if you just look at the top of this and think about the person that you were just referencing, at the very top is behaviors. I always ask, are you doing everything you could or should to be your best? If you're not doing everything you could or should, by the way, and you come to me, we're not doing sports psych. We're doing traditional therapy. It's like, why would you sabotage your own potential best? Why would you interfere with your optimal by not doing everything you could or should? Once we realize why that's happening, then we can move more into mental toughness and mental conditioning and How to be a calm state to be able to allow yourself to perform at your best. So if someone is telling me that um, I'm going to shelter in place and there's nothing I can do whenever we talk about sheltering in place or cabin fever like you were saying because I'm from Chicago so I get exactly what you're talking about you have to look at three things and the three aspects whenever we're in a situation like this is you need to be productive you need to be addressing enjoyables and you need to lead with compassion. So while we're waking up every day, you have to figure out what am I going to address today? Short-term goals with a long-term goal. The steps to get to the goal. What can I do to increase my probability of success? Can I network? Can I call friends? Can I learn? Can I read? Can I study? Can I challenge myself? Can I do things that are productive? Also just around the house. Being productive, that's how you get a sense of worth, a sense of identity, a sense of purpose. Then you have to take a look at enjoyables. You need to have reinforcers in your life. So every day you need to be engaging in something that you find personally rewarding. And what you like that floats your boat is gonna be different than what I like and floats my boat. So you as an individual have to be productive and to be able to engage in things that you find enjoyable. Otherwise, what's the whole point? And then that third one is in a situation where there's a lot of stress like this, we realize that other people, other people, might be irritable, short-tempered, snarky, sarcastic, annoying, and some of them could be rude. That's a statement of them. And knowledge is power. So if I know people are stressed, I can actually be more understanding. I can be kinder. So I talk about lead with compassion, understanding and kindness. So, in situations like this, we need to be productive, focus on things that are reinforcing and lead with compassion.
0: You know, leading with compassion, that'd be a good idea for a book. (laughs) You know, I I think maybe
1: two or three books.
2: Uh, I would agree, and they're very good books, I might say.
1: Uh, Doc, if if I can ask, you said behavior was at the top, and just so everybody else understands, what's the other two aspects of the triangle?
2: So again, yeah, as you're saying, it's behavioral, and then it comes down to your thoughts, cognitions, I refer to them as, and then the other point is physiology feeling. so for athletes we teach them that you have to have a proper mindset and you also have to allow yourself to be physiologically ready to perform at your best which means you have to start out in a relaxed state of being in order to then to control and coordinate your muscles in the most choreographed beautiful form that an elite athlete needs to perform at their best so if you are going to do a presentation to the board of directors Are you doing everything you could or should? Are you preparing your presentation? Are you getting all the information that you need in order to understand what are gonna be some of the pushback points? What are gonna be some of the questions? Do I already prepare ahead of time? Then do I speak to myself in a productive way versus like, I don't have the experience. I don't think I'll be able to convince anybody. You've already lost before you've started. So we have to have the work effort put in the proper mindset. And then when you go in there, some people talk about feeling anxious. And most people don't realize it, but there's three different ways we experience anxiety. You can either have it where you're physiologically tightening up, changes in your heart rate, respiration, muscle tone. It could also be the way you talk to yourself, cognitions, and your feelings, your uh, worries, fears, dread. And we can address all three of those which is then helpful for anyone because they might say, "Well, I just talk to myself negatively," and someone might say, "I kind of freak out and I tighten up." And so we teach people how to calm themselves physiologically, how to catch the negative intrusive thoughts and insert something positive, and also how to realize that worrying gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. And so the feelings can be addressed too.
1: You no, know, I from the uh, I've written three plays, and uh, what you don't know what. I've already mentioned here is that if everything goes according to plan uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be filming my first short movie.
2: Hey, hey this and is awesome. Congrats. Part
1: of it is, uh, and, and by the way, I wrote that short screenplay after the shutdown. There it's we go. Finding the time. One of the phrases that I've used, and you're, you're free to use this is that in when you're writing a story and you're looking at drama and all that, you can never be the hero of your own story if you're playing the role of victim.
2: <laughs>
1: it doesn't like happen. It. You know, you get to cast your own movie
2: yeah.
1: and, uh, and I love what you're saying because it, it just fits perfectly to that end. When we had uh coffee a few months ago, right. That you mentioned something about you don't believe in a slump.
2: Yes. Yeah. Tell there, us more about that. There is this, tendency that we hear people coming up with the kind of magical thinking, this concept of a slump. What really is happening when you actually look at the dynamic, whether it's an athlete or an individual who's not able to reach their goal, they just constantly get into the same kind of underperforming. What ends up oftentimes happening is you're dwelling on the past, some failure, something that took place, now, if I'm gonna make a sale and I'm maybe a financial advisor and I realize, oh, I'll never be a $10 million book. You know, I, I can only be maybe pushing for the million. I just I don't have the credibility. I I don't, or whatever it is, that self-talk, that's historical. And so what we end up seeing is people start focusing on the past. And the amazing thing is you can waste your energy in three ways. You can you know wish the past was different. Just because it's happened, I, I I can't change it. It's the same as the Roman Empire. The only thing I can do about the past is live and learn from it. I can also, um, uh, well, I, I could whine, <laughs> you know, and complain about things outside of my control. Um, and I can worry about the future. But the amazing thing slumps are, more times than not, when people get into these repetitive patterns of underachievement, They're focusing on the past. So I'm expending my energy from now, focusing on a negative of the past. So I'm not changing the past and I'm not in the moment. And if I'm an athlete and I'm waiting to swing at a ball that's being thrown at 94 miles an hour, I don't have enough time to be focusing on the past. I have to be in the moment. And that's what happens to a lot of individuals. This concept of a slump is usually that they're still playing that story over and over again, historically, as though it's applicable to the present. And so a slump is really self-created. It doesn't exist. It is a concept that you bring to the moment. I always like to kind of challenge people. I don't want your self-confidence to be situationally dependent. Your self-confidence should actually be your average So whatever I'm doing, and I'm just gonna use sport as an example, if I shoot 70% free throws, and today I happen to shoot 75%, that doesn't mean I'm the greatest gift since anything, you know, since sliced bread, It just means I happen to be doing whatever my protocol is, my form, my routine on a more consistent basis. And if I happen to be shooting 65%, I'm not the worst thing on the planet. The reality is I'm still a 70 percenter, but the 70 percent is really a range. Today I'm at a lower level. What can I learn from this? So I always ask people, your self-confidence should be based on your self-confidence. And is it improving?
0: I got a tough one for you, Doc. So um, Dr. Murfield, his advice for improving my golf game is to quit playing. I've, I've literally played two times in the last five years and two of them have been during this shutdown because uh, I had to go out and do something. I could social distance and be outside mm-hmm. and get some greenery. Now, I do have a real serious question for you though. Um, a lot of people I'm sure that, that watch and, and are gonna listen to this later uh, wanna know, um, where is the best pizza in Chicago?
2: <laughs> well, first off, I'd like to emphasize that Chicago pizza is great. It is the best. And I'll, and I'll prove it to you. My friends who are from New York are constantly telling me how great your pizza is from New York and you get that old big piece of pizza pie. And what's the first thing they do with it? Fold it. Fold it in half. They make it a deep dish pizza. So I'm just telling you, we just make it as it is. It's awesome. So I happen to be a little bit biased in that.
1: (laughs) You know, I thought you were going to say you've (laughs) surveyed four out of five doctors set.
2: (laughs) I got some Lou down in the freezer. And just in case we were going long, I was going to be breaking some of that out. I
0: I actually, uh, lunch yesterday was Rosati's pizza. If you're a Rosati's fan from Chicago, Mm -hmm. they've got a couple of them here in town now. Uh, it's certainly no Lou Malnati's. It's nowhere near a Geno's East. But uh, I'm am fr- from Chicago too, by the way. So uh, that's why I had to ask that question. There we go. There uh, we go. And and when you say lose, you don't necessarily uh, know. But now I'm gonna find out where you're from. So what baseball team is there?
2: Uh, Cubs. Okay. Northside.
0: So I know where you are. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
2: so. Notice I am a die-hard Cub fan. There's no question about it.
1: Notice how he said that kind of down in the mouth at
0: Cubs. You
2: know. <laughs> hey, like, anyone you know, can have a bad century. Okay,
0: it's it's all my, it's a, it was a slump. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, interesting. They actually did some research that when individuals are focusing on that concept, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you have to have a winning mindset. To be able to you know champions find a way to win. Teams that habitually lose have an internal mindset that is actually somehow we're going to lose it. We're going to make a mistake, we're not going to be able to do it. One mistake a lot of times they have all or none thinking which is really unhealthy so one mishap and they suddenly start having this flood of negativity that oh you know now we're going downhill we'll never get back to where we were. And so the, your comments is actually surprisingly spot on. Well, the, the funny
1: thing is that we've heard a lot of negativity about this shutdown and you hear some just outrageous comments about, uh, I heard one expert out of California says, we're not going to have mass sporting events until the end of 2021. You know, and oh, you know, the economy's going to be ruined. We're going to be out of work, but, you know, we're going to be doing this. And it's like, Stop it. It was in good shape before. Mm-hmm. So the bounce back's gonna be better than when we had, you know, the the housing loans of 11 12, 13 years ago, things like that. In fact, um, one of the first programs, I think was the first one we did, we talked about how to make money in the next three days. We mm-hmm. talked about, and that's how this particular podcast came to be. I love it was it. after the shutdown. Pat and I were talking, we said, you know what, we need to, because compassion is um, coming alongside of another to help alleviate their pain. What's their pain? Right. I mean, quite frankly, you wouldn't be in business Mm -hmm. if a lot of these high achievers didn't want more. They felt their pain. Right.
2: You know, it's interesting that you talk about that. No one cares what you do until they need what you do. So i make like, no one's like, yeah, you know, well, he's a psychologist. He's a sports psychologist. Oh, well, well, uh-huh. yeah, big whoop. Like, I don't really care, you know, who's a roofer until well, boy, I, I need to address my roof, you know? And so in essence, from my vantage point, the way that we were always trained that someone's life had to be in such pain that they stopped their life in order to enter into mine. And so I really have to come at it at a point of being compassionate. You know, I'm not all that in a bag of chips. I mean, the person isn't coming to me and I just talk at them and I just tell them, this is what you have to do. I mean, this is, this is someone who has got some struggle going on and it doesn't have to be the worst thing on the planet. They can just maybe be at a great level and they wanna take it to the next. But to be able to understand as they say, seek to understand and only then shall you be understood to be able to speak the language, to understand what someone's needs are. Everyone starts out with what's their agenda when they come in and we work together. It's not my agenda, it's their agenda. And I think it's a, I feel very fortunate. It is an honor and a privilege to work with either a corporate executive or do a presentation to an entire team of employees or work with athletes who are striving for the the Olympics.
1: So, what do you see that people are really needing right now?
2: Well, it, if you can, optimism is a kind of a, a wonderful tool. Um, you know, that's a cognitive process. On that, that's down here in the bottom part of it. How you actually talk to yourself. Now, don't get me wrong. There are people who, physically, medically, have been in some terrible places, and we have lost many, many lives, and that is tragic and terrible we have many individuals who have lost careers. The businesses have folded. And and so there is a reality from that. Now for these individuals to be able to do their best to be able to take a look at what's the transition back. If I focus in, and I was taught this by my patients at the hospital at Hopkins, who were cancer patients, um, uh, motor vehicle, head damage, uh, neurology, and just general pain patients. If you focus on what you cannot do, if you focus on what you can no longer do, you will be depressed. If you focus on what you still can do or what you can do in the future, you can at least now have an optimistic, satisfied way of going through life. And and that was an eye opener for me. Some individuals who I would just look at and think, well, this person has a real good reason to just kind of call it quits. And to listen to their mindset uh, on how though I can't do this, I still can do this. So first off, I would be talking about optimism. You're also talking about having a, sh- a uh, shrewd eye to be able to identify what's the need. There are needs that are gonna take place. So I, I agree with you. The economy got hit horribly by the virus and the shutdown, but the economy was strong. So the economy isn't the problem. When we return, again, the economy is still going to have everything that was working before. There was a tremendous amount of kind of like the mid-range corporations and some of the solo practitioners who who have lost a lot. And now the question is, how do we revamp and move forward? So for each individual, I would say first start out with optimism because that is a choice in terms of how do I talk to myself. Don't focus on what I can't do, focus on what I can do and now begin to look at as we come out of this what are the new needs what are the new normal because someone's gonna have to fill that void and it might as well be you
0: there's that opportunity we've been talking about on this the trend Mm -hmm. the bend and the the opportunity is is okay I can't go forward so if I'm gonna go to the left then this is what I'm gonna have to do and that's gonna create a whole new opportunity and we've interviewed people, restaurateurs that have, have moved to uh, virtual dinners and t- and huge takeout business, and uh, just all the opportunities. A, a bow tie maker that that turned to making masks and, and fantastic, yeah. You know, again, something somebody need, but also something that uh, that that filled that also filled that helped that company. And they were able to put eleven seamstresses to to work building making masks.
2: There's also a reality where some of the businesses that may not have necessarily made it or made it as well as they thought they could have, this is a time to take a look at what can I learn from it. So we always say a loss is not a failure if you learn from it. Um, I had an NFL coach whose team was the best in the NFL all year long. They they were undefeated. They had secured postseason playoffs. They had secured home field advantage. And as they got to the end of the season, they were playing a team with a losing record. And that losing record team kicked their butt. And then they had the final games of the season. They went on and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. And this NFL coach has told me if it wasn't for losing and losing big to this non-winning team, they wouldn't have realized there was a glaring error that they didn't see and it was in their defensive backfield. And that losing record team discovered it, took advantage of it, and exploited it. And if they wouldn't have had that experience, that loss, they wouldn't have adapted, they wouldn't have changed, and when they got to the playoffs, they would have had one and done. But instead, because of the loss, they actually realized that this was something that they could address, they could improve on, and they continued not only through the playoffs, but onto the Super Bowl.
0: What a story! Hopefully, um, uh, hopefully, we'll be talking Super Bowl here in a few months, uh, like one that was performed in front of fans and and uh, and whatnot.
2: It would be nice if the hometown team, for the first time ever in the NFL, won the Super Bowl in their hometown.
0: Well, That'd so cool. hey, so far so good. We, uh-huh. we, we haven't played a game and. And we're tied with everybody else in the league. Hey,
2: see, that's where a Cub fan comes from. The season hasn't started; <laughs> yeah, we're can, still in first you can place. Well, I'm
0: a Cub fan, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, that is—that's that optimism, right?
2: <laughs> Next year is this year. Come on, this is our century.
1: <laughs> so, so uh, Doc, can, can you give us a um, a worst to first type of story, or or something where it looked like things was all lost and somebody pulled it out? because of it, yeah. something like
2: that? Yeah, Um, again, the self-limiting thinking is a big issue. I have, uh, unfortunately, I get referrals sometimes from commissioners of leagues. And when I get a referral from a commissioner of league, it usually means the athlete has done something that has gotten them into serious trouble. And uh, they has tarnished the shield of the league. And so I have the opportunity of not only working with them in terms of sports psych, but I also have the opportunity of working with them as a human being, what's going on in their life. And so this individual was on the way out of their sport. They were getting into a tremendous amount of challenges and troubles. And what ended up happening was that we we took a look historically and there was this pattern that whenever someone told them what they could do or couldn't do or should do or shouldn't do, they would react poorly. So whenever there was an authority in their life telling them what they needed to do, they would have an adverse reaction and they would sabotage themselves to prove they're independent and they're not controlled by this individual. Well, you can only imagine when you are a professional or you know in anything, in any job, if your boss tells you something and you're sabotaging yourself, if your coach is telling you something and you sabotage yourself, you actually start making poor decisions. And the saboteur is there actually to protect you from your worst fears. So somehow I'll be rejected. Somehow I'll be embarrassed. Somehow I'll be a failure. The saboteur is hired by you, trained by you to protect you from your ultimate fear. But if you stop for a moment, and this is what I did with the, this gentleman, is we took a look, the saboteur is also a roadmap for you to identify what areas do I need to work on to improve myself. So it could be, I need to learn how to be, have a better kill instinct and be laser focused. It could be, I need to learn how to speak positively to myself. For this individual, it also needed to be, I needed to step beyond this conflict that I've carried around with me my entire life. And every time I hear an authority, I get into the same childhood opposition to my father and I play it out. And for us, we had to help him realize this thing called ego boundaries. He had to learn where he ended and someone else began and someone else's behavior is a reflection of that other behavior. You as an individual only control yourself. And so I always wanted to be able to help him to be able to see you live up to your highest standards. Don't blame your behavior on anyone else. Don't live beneath your highest standard, live up to your highest standard. And once we gave him that differentiation between others and himself and got him to live up to his highest standard, that's when he was able to perform at the highest level again.
1: That that's fascinating. Um, you know, with my work um, within college football and writing a book with the Heisman Trophy winner, it's it's easy to see some of that. Um, yeah. But yet, looking at your own life, we tend to be blind to it, mm-hmm. and we um, we really make pretty good excuses.
2: Yeah, it's interesting when you hear people talk about the idea of noticing externally. And I remember when I was studying in the area of addictions, when someone externalizes or blames, they've got one finger pointing out and they've got three fingers pointing back. And so we oftentimes notice negatives in others that are either opposing our core values or may reflect a bit of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So whenever there, you can hear people bringing this stuff up. Like a lot of people who blame, they'll make excuses, and they'll catch other people when they're. Oh yeah, see, you're you're externalizing responsibility. You're not being accountable. And then when you bring it back to them, I, I was just dealing with a, a case the other day where this one individual was pointing out every possible problem of every single person around them. And I said to this individual, you know, we all have room for improvement. They do, you do, I do. We all have room for improvement. But if you notice, your tendency is to focus on the problem is them. And bringing it back to you is more important. So I'll do this and I'll, and I'll bring it really quickly with you all. I'll say that this person and I'll just call them. Sam. Sam tells me that. He's got a problem with his boss. Sam may be in high school and might be telling me he's got an issue with his teacher. He might be telling me he's got a problem with his father. He might be telling me he's got a problem with, of course, his mother. And it might be I also have problems with with friends. And I'll show this to Sam and I'll say, what's the one connecting link to all of these conflicts? I don't have to say anything. And Sam gets it sometimes sam wants me to not talk anymore <laughs> because sam realizes his observation of always blaming is not focusing on what he brings to the equation
0: if you put a few more people up on there it would look like the coronavirus
2: it would with the little crowns sticking out <laughs> yeah never right. thought of that too much i hadn't thought about it <laughs> Good situational oh, and, awareness. I like that.
1: I see our time's probably wrapping up. We could do this all afternoon, although uh, I,
2: I love it. It's
1: a lot of fun. But is there one thing that uh, you haven't brought up that you really think people need to know about or think about, especially during this time?
2: Oh, yeah. You know, it's curious. As we start to ramp back up, and as we, we don't know what the future is because we never do. And I always like to tell this to individuals, there are no guarantees ever. There are no guarantees. And if I was talking to adults, obviously the things that we would all say are death and taxes. But you can study your hardest in a class that doesn't guarantee a high grade. You can get all your ducks in a row, apply for a job, it doesn't guarantee you get it. So as we move forward, I always like to point out to people that there are no guarantees. The only thing you ever do in life is increase your probability of success this is not an all or none kind of factor. It's not like I just do an additive one, two equals this. The reality is what can you do from now moving forward that allows you to increase your probability of success? Part of that is challenging negative thoughts. Part of that is retooling the resume. Part of that is networking again. Part of it is setting realistic goals and figuring out the steps that get you there. So I would really hope for everybody as we begin the transition back into the world and the, it's gonna be a new norm, is that there are no guarantees. But the only thing you really can do is increase your probability of success. I like that, I like that a lot.
0: Absolutely, what a, um, what, a what a great time this has been. Uh, I took so many more notes. <laughs> I was trying to save the money from having to buy the book, you know, I just trying to write it all down, <laughs> get the free version. Well, speaking of
1: that, Pat, we, we we don't people don't come on here to sell stuff, but we can we can promote it for you. Where can where can they get your books?
2: Uh, you could go. The book is now it's uh, self-published on Amazon. So, a Champion's Mindset: Fifteen Mental Conditioning Steps to Becoming a Champion Athlete under Schenitsky. Um, you can get it from uh, also contacting me, and I'll sign a copy and send it out. Uh, it, it's been a real pleasure. I do, up until the shutdown, I have been doing presentations all over the country, sharing the material in here both to athletes as well as corporations.
1: That it's fantastic. Uh, if you want to be on again? Let us know. We 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 can get John.
2: It, ah, you guys are too kind. This has been a blast. I love sharing this information. A
1: lot of fun. It's it's all about. Um, in one of my books, I can't forget which one. By the way, I just started a new one this week. I think that's 21. i got to finish about four of them now. But um, say that good people working together yield great results. And that's it's a true. One plus one equals three. Yeah. Three plus three equals nine. It's it's all about that synergistic, collaborative model of bringing our best and really doing it. That's why we just absolutely love having you on. You, um, you know, I, I don't know, it's probably been four or five years since I met you. Always oh, good time. Yeah. Always come out and saying, wow, you know, it, it takes you to another level.
2: You, you are too kind. I loved your idea that you were just saying that synergistic. I like to always emphasize that if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together.
0: And we, that, Pat, we just put it up on Facebook. The, uh, the book is there. Our good friend Doug Smoss dug it out of Amazon for us. And Thank I you, have- Doug. Yeah, <laughs> I have to be careful hitting too many buttons because it messes with the live feed. So it's great when we have someone like Doug who's attentive and fast on the uh, uh, the finger trigger. So, Doc, thanks, uh, thanks again. What a, what a great uh, time this has been. And uh, hopefully some uh, uh, huge encouragement to some of our folks who have maybe uh, have been sitting on the sidelines and really need to develop that champion's mindset. And quit having these self-limiting thoughts
2: yep. that
0: there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. You know, I go out, I go out and paint the house, but it's a blizzard outside. Well, maybe paint inside. You know, yep. that you productive,
2: enjoyable compassion.
0: Yeah. So uh, that's it's been great learning about that. Appreciate you coming on, and uh, uh, Doc uh, Murfield. Any uh, final thoughts? Well, let's
1: let's take it out with with saying this. You know, you can do some things. And the three things we encourage you to do is think bigger, reach higher, and do the
0: impossible. Absolutely. See you all tomorrow. Thank Thank you all. Thanks, Doc.